Bros. So, Quest, Quest Bros, how are you guys doing today? Doing good, yeah. Doing real well. Okay, so let's talk about, let's just get right into, let's just get right into um, Improv D&D. So, we'll we'll talk about you guys' experience with D&D in a second, but I want to talk about Improv D&D. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and, and anybody who's been talking to us last, you know, month or so since this happened, we've told everybody, um, Improv D&D is basically exactly how it sounds and it's a, a platform that the quest bros started i'm assuming they started and they they had it at um the fan expo and basically they just choose people from the crowd who create this character on the spot uh based upon four um archetypes and that's you know your healer your fighter your mage or wizard and your um your uh, antagonist or the or the bbeg um and once they pick these people, uh, arbitrarily pick them, and then the crowd uh, chooses who their favorite was on a short performance, all improv, uh, they moderate a um, like hour-long session of D&D. And for those of you who don't know what D&D is, uh, this is the best way to get started, because this is basically D&D at its core. You roll for anything that happens, and all the debauchery that happens uh, that coincides with the rolls is what D&D is about. So how did you guys get started doing this cool idea? It's actually a funny story. Um, so the in, um, we live um, right outside of um, uh, Milwaukee in Wisconsin, um, and they had a Milwaukee Comic Con a couple years ago. This was, I think, probably 2019, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and there was, I don't even know what the panel was called. It wasn't called Improv D&D, but... It was basically improv D and D. Yeah. Um, you want to keep going on it? Oh yeah. So I actually went up several times for several of the parts because, and I ended up getting the BBEG of this like sort of pseudo improv D and D, and the guy who was doing it, he was like, he was making it more on the players to kind of played actual D&D &D in front of everybody to kind of get them into D&D &D. and during the time because we're just natural entertainers we just went with it and we were just taking the show as far as we could go and afterwards he goes didn't think that that's how it would have happened but uh I'm really glad I picked you guys <laughs> and from there on we were like well I think if we modify it a little bit and kind of make it our own and then polish it this could be a really fun panel to do at conventions. Yeah. So the simple answer is we stole this idea from <laughs> Hey, that's that's usually how the best ideas go. So how did you two get started playing Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I'll go first because mine is the shortest. Um, my I had friends in high school. Um, actually, before like I was playing with the Quest Bros, um, that just like mentioned it and talked about it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds fun. Um. You hear about it just being in a nerd and part of nerd culture. Um, we spent one day making characters, and I think it was, this was still at like fourth edition or four and a half. Um, so it it was it wasn't even that great. I don't. We played maybe one session, never touched again. And then once um, the quest bros really started up and we got together, we decided to do D and D, and um, we have it on our channel. We've got three arcs three seasons of it something like that some and then some little extra stuff in between um and i fell in love with it since then and i kind of got a, almost a little bit of an obsession with it and started 
um, DMing other groups of my friends um, that I have and just exploring it more, buying all the books and researching it and stuff like that. So I'm st fair, still fairly new to it, probably only five years max been playing. Um, but now I'm still able to DM and play and I have groups that I play in now that I DM now um, and all sorts like that. But Dan, you've been doing it a lot longer than me. Uh, yeah, so I, um, I was born in a family who was playing like the very first edition where like elf mage was a class and whatnot and you know and like they were limited to what levels they could go up to if you were an elf you could only be a level 12 and whatever and if you were a human you could go infinitely in every class but so uh when i turned 10 that's when my parents allowed me to start playing and after i turned 10 i've been playing dnd &D as a player for ever. And then once I went to high school, I DM'd my own sessions and I've never stopped since then. So I'm the one who's had like 10, 15 years of experience with D&D. Isn't it interesting? I always find it interesting in D&D when someone's like, I don't have that much experience, it's five years. Which is funny because it's true because people who are in the D&D world is like, oh, I haven't been playing that long. It's only been years. But if you put that on a resume, I've been doing this job for years, you'd be qualified. But it's like D&D is the one area where someone's like, I've been playing, I've been playing 5th edition for three years, so I'm still really new to it. Yeah, okay, since D&D has been around for, I mean, I don't even remember what year 1st edition came up around. And there's people that have been playing it from then to now still, so it's like. Compared to them, yeah, I'm still a noob to this. Yeah, and that's really funny because a lot of my players who've been playing it for like seven years with me DMing them or whatever, it's even them, they're like, yeah, no, I, I'm terrible at d and I'm like, how can you say you're bad at a role-playing game? You just play it. You yeah. play, Everyone's good at it. You just play. They're like, I know nothing. <laughs> I'm like, how do you, how can you say that? You've been playing it for seven years and you know nothing? Yeah, that's not true. It, it is weird when you have a long layoff and you go to you go to be a rogue after like a month and a half off. You're like, how does sneak attack work again? I've been doing this for five years. How do I not know my character by now? It is funny how it kind of works out. Um, so so walk me through. You guys look. You guys see this um, idea that somebody did, which is basically D and D improv, and you decide. Uh, to utilize it and make it your own. So what's what's like the next step? Do you like do you call like these these coordinators for these events and you say, hey, we have an idea, or or what are the next steps from there? Yeah, so um, I usually do, I I, I do all of that part. Um, mm. where anytime like we love going to conventions, um, just either to see celebrities or check out vendors and stuff like that. Um, and I always see that most of them have panel submissions, and I'm like, you know. The first time we did it um, for Anime Milwaukee, um, I submitted and I was like, you know, we've never done this before. We've seen it. Let me try. And if we get um, the panel, cool. This could be really great for the channel. It could help promote us and it'll help us get some more traction and it'll be fun for us to do. Um, so the first time we did it, I just submitted an application with whatever they required. And I just basically said, fuck it, let's see what happens. <laughs> um and our first one we had um i don't even remember how many people we have recordings of it but it's so bad because actually when we were performing it the lights in the room kept shutting off and shutting back <laughs> yeah. yeah they were automated mm -hmm. um so the video like quality itself is really bad i have it somewhere on a hard drive but um there was probably like 
50 to 100 people in there. Yeah. And every year it just keeps getting bigger. And so we just keep um, any uh, convention that we try to go to, we apply for it. And at least with Fan Expo, we were lucky that we were able to get, um, they were able to pay for our ticket for us mm. um, to go. And it was, like the, I think, the biggest convention we've performed at for it. Um, and even like our second day, we had the, the largest room in the entire venue, which was just crazy to see that they even put us there. Um, but yeah, so it's really just crossing our fingers and submitting an application and hoping it works. <laughs> And I'd like to say, like, after we did it the first time, and it was such a huge success, um, getting them to accept our application a second and a third time, and these other conventions hearing, like, oh, Improv D&D happened in Amkey, and they're like, really? How did that go? Oh, uh, 150 people were filling the room, and uh, they were overflowing in the hallway. And they're like, well, we would like to have that at Fan Expo, so we just were like hey we're heading there and we do this improv D&D so if you'd like we could do it there too and she was like absolutely we'll pay for your tickets and everything and we're like cool yeah, cool <laughs> yeah. we'll take it and so we went there and they gave us the second and the biggest room and uh both days we actually have kind of a head count we had 140 some people in the first day and we had about 120 some in the second day, which is just incredible amount of people to come mm -hmm. to um, a panel because like some of the panels with like Ahsoka just before us, yeah, she had about the same people. So for that many people to come and want to be a part of this improv D&D knowing little to nothing about it and then immediate like the same people who are coming to see Ahsoka, like... I don't put us up that, yeah. up that high. It's kind of crazy, too. Like, we got to share the same stage that the Hobbits were on. Yeah. Like, we were, they at least, like, put us at that level thinking, now, oh, cool, you guys can perform in this big of a venue. Um, yeah, the Hobbits weren't there at the same time, but it's, they were in that same room. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it was interesting because didn't, didn't the, the actors for the Hobbit, um, they were on right after you, though, right? Uh, Sons of Anarchy were right after. You. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Sons of Anarchy was right after you, but still, like, I was, I was shocked too because I was like, man, Sons of Anarchy right after you, and I didn't see people like pouring in afterwards. There was a line for something else, I think, but I was actually pretty shocked um, on that yeah. second day. Yeah, even uh, the first day, there were people waiting outside for our panel, and we had to still get in there and set up and everything, and we were like, crap, there's a, there's a good amount of people here. Um, and I think I, we were listening to one of the, your other podcasts when you were interviewing, I think it was Claire and like, when yeah. you read the, um, description of it, or even just the title improv D&D, &D, it is very open-ended. Um, and it is, it's hard to explain what it is in like, they always want like two sentences Yeah, and it's hard to do that. But the fact that we're still able to, um, attract that crowd, it's really, um, heartwarming, rewarding. It's, it makes you feel good. I think I think you're being a little bit humble because we didn't know what to expect. We kept we kept like talking to each other. Like, what is improv D and D? Because D and D in itself is a lot of improv, like by its nature. Mm -hmm. So it's it's already like it sounds like it's just D and D, and really that's what it is. It's just you break it down to a fundamental level of like doesn't matter if it's five E rules. Everything requires rule, which is you know the the premise of the game. But is that usually how the, the, the so the first day is my very first time we saw first day of fan expo. Is that usually how it goes? Because it kind of blew my mind. Or was that, was that like a really exciting day? Uh, 
So actually, usually improv D&D is 18 plus. And so the few times that we had done it before Fan Expo, it's always been 18 plus because we all know D&D can get out of hand. It can get Riley. It can get very sexual at times. So whenever we play it, we always preference it to be 18 plus because you don't know what you don't know what anybody's gonna say, and this way we don't need to correct people to not swear to keep it family friendly and blah blah. But when Fan Expo came, they did a thing where they're having no 18 plus, which was funny because they had some anarchy, and that's a very mature show. Yeah. But you know, but no, so they were like, there's no 18 plus panels, and we were like. Okay, um, so we had to alter it slightly to make it family friendly, and I think that posed some challenges in the way we ran it. But I, you know, I've DM'd for kids before, so I'm very patient and I can adapt to all right, this person, you know, is stumbling over something, you know, let me give him a little idea without like embarrassing him in front of all of these people. So, like, the kids that we had on stage, um, I could see, like, he really was, like, he wanted to do his thing. And I was like, you know what? That's what D&D is about, wanting to do something and getting to do it. Let's see if the die is agreeing with you. And it did or didn't. So, that was probably a big thing. Yeah, I think another challenge we had, too, um, especially the second day. Uh, well, normally our panels, when we run this, we do it for an hour and a half. and Fan Expo was really only letting 45-minute panels. We were lucky with our Friday panel, we were able to get an hour. Mm-hmm. But Saturday, only 45 minutes. And our audition process is usually a lot different. Um, but when we got to move really quick and get through it so there's enough time for the adventure, um, we had to. We were like in the hotel room. And actually, the day before, we were at dinner. Like, okay, how are we going to do this? We only have 45 minutes. We need... 10 minutes to explain the rules, audition four roles, set up a scene, and then at least 30 minutes to have a good show. Um, But we were able to figure it out, but hopefully we can always continue to have at least those longer sessions so then that way it doesn't feel rushed and it can be more natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, the the show was amazing because I had no expectations going into it, but one of the things that was surprising to me, was the lack in D&D anything at the Fan Expo. Did you guys feel that way, too? Yeah, we looked at the um, the schedule of just, like, everything that was going to be around, um, all, the, all the different types of panels that were going to be there, and we looked, and there was only two types of things. It was us, and then we were, did you guys have a panel? Were you guys the other D&D-related thing? I don't think there was any. I think the only thing that was uh, D&D-related was, like, making cosplay armor. Yeah. Oh yeah, or there was yeah, or it was like making characters. I think I saw too. Okay. Uh, it was but yeah, but that was it. And then there was one like dice booth. Yeah, that, that, I, I, yeah. I saw several dice booths, and then there was maybe some like wood carvings to hold dice in. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't even a whole lot of like stuff portraying towards the main cast there. Like, there's not a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff there. There wasn't a lot of, like, Son of Anarchy stuff there either. It was just a bunch of, like, a lot of anime stuff, but then it wasn't even the animes that were the voice actors that were there. It was just the most popular anime at the time. So it was kind of weird to see, like, how these conventions go, and then you you would think that they would more or less base them off the people that they're inviting there, but 
sometimes they just don't get that luck to do that. Yeah, it was really strange. We we walked around in our we had like shirts that promote ourselves, and I think one day we walked around in them, and a bunch of people from booths and a bunch of people were saying, "Hey, D and D, that's awesome. We love to play." I'm like, yeah, is there anything around here? They're like, no, you're the only people I've seen with it. I'm like, that's crazy, because D&D is with Legend of Ock Machina, and, I mean, you have Stranger Things, which there's a bunch of Eddies but, um, yeah. cosplaying. But other than that, I was like, man, there's such a market here. And there was, like, three dice makers. And I was like, that's, it's, it just seems strange to me. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's talk about that first day, because we were kind of mind-blown. Um those of us watching. So for everyone who didn't see it or doesn't know what we're talking about, basically there was a, um, uh, a younger girl, she's 18 years old, named Claire. There was a young kid who was, I don't know, 12, 12 years old maybe. Um, there was a relatively well-spoken um, fighter, I think she was. And then there was a um, the big bad guy. If, if I, I mean, might be getting mixed up. I think the woman might have been the big bad guy or something like that. But... Um, anyways, basically the way it works is every time you want to do something, you have to roll and then the DM will tell them, you know, basically all you were saying at the time was just roll and then you would describe the scene. But to make a long story short, we were in a Walmart, which is the scene we chose. And there was a uh, kid that wanted to do whatever he wanted to. So he was basically railroading the event. Someone who got gun shy and didn't want to talk. And then all of a sudden had like the performance of her life at the end. And we had someone... You know, a really good player in D&D with a good accent. But by the end of it, there was like three amazing Nat 1s, three amazing Nat 20s. The crowd is like, every time something happens, the crowd goes crazy. And then we have a great DM. So it's literally D&D at its core. Uh, what, what do you guys think every time you guys like go out there and put on a show? Like, what goes through your mind at the beginning and end of it? Uh, I'll start, yeah, since I... I do the beginning and then just you'll take it since you finish it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, at least like our format for it. So like Dan and I, we've been um, childhood friends since diapers. Diapers, yeah. Like our parents changed each other our diapers. Um, if that made any sense. That's um, awesome. Yeah, not important. <laughs> uh, that's how long we've known each other. So we work really well together. Um, and he's got the DM experience that I don't, but I have more of a stage I, uh, presence because um, I'm a performer I'm a music major so I've I've been on stage plenty of times so um, the uh, format really just being I'll come up I'll introduce the game I'll get everyone kind of warmed up get, crack the jokes um, get the witty banter with everyone so everyone gets a feel for it um, and that also helps us to understand what type of crowd we have because um, at least with Friday we were getting a lot of people raising hands um, and a lot of people that really wanted to be a part of it, which is really cool. Um, and then also when I'm doing the witty banter with everyone or when people give their answers and it's kind of awkward, so I have to break that tension for awkwardness and you get the last and you can um, get a better understanding too of just how the whole game is gonna run, which does help a lot and it kind of eases us. Um, but then going through all of it, um, once we get everyone in, um, or once I at least I get everyone up on stage and we are set up. I just said as long as everything is funny, everyone's relaxed, everyone's chill, and no one seems uncomfortable, then I let Dan run it from there. Yeah, and then from there, all I'm thinking is I need people to 
like the show. I need them to laugh. Uh, and I need the, my, I need my players to have a good time. I need them to enjoy this experience because I don't know if this is their first time playing D and D or their 30th time playing D and D, you know? So I need to be mindful and I don't know who in the crowd knows what we're talking about. So I always try to make things generally able to be understood, even if they don't know, like, for instance, they don't know what Misty Step does. I do. So I yeah. can be like, oh, so this person, like, phases away and appears over there yeah. to let the crowd know, because I don't know who does and doesn't know, and I need them to kind of stick with the narrative so they can find the jokes funny, they can enjoy themselves, and everyone has a great time. And that's all that we're kind of, at that point, making sure is that everyone's enjoying their time playing D&D. Because we're also kind of like trying to make people convert to D&D. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's going to kind of go off that too. Um, a part of it, the reason why we um, we include the audience, like we, the Quest Bros isn't just me and Dan. Um, mm -hmm. There's a bunch of us. Um, but yeah, it could be us that just go up on stage and we could just do it ourselves. Um, but the quest rose that we're really just trying to build a community and bring everyone together either through dungeons and dragons any type of video games anime all the different type of stuff that we do mm -hmm. um and being able to incorporate people from the audience in the crowd and get them up on stage and be a part of this journey like with some of the people i think like with claire you were saying um she was the healer on the friday show like yeah. i'm pretty sure we created a core memory for her like I think and you made a core memory for everybody who's there, to be honest. Yeah, like that's, and that's what we really want to do. Is like we want to leave that mm -hmm. impact on everyone. We want to build that community. We want to be, we want to bring joy and happiness to everyone that is enjoying what we love. Did did you have, you said you saw some of the podcasts with her on it, on our yeah, podcast. Yeah. Isn't, mm -hmm. it, isn't it so weird? So for those of you who don't know, if you didn't hear the other podcast, Basically, this uh, this young girl stands up, and she seems she has like a level of nervosity when she's talking, but she performs really well during the audition. She gets the part of the healer. She goes up there, and she kind of freezes uh, for the first like five minutes, and just and she says uh, in the podcast she has like a uh, a problem with referencing when people are talking and, and echoing. Her her mind mashes it up, so it took her a while to fully comprehend it. But when she did, she had this hilarious bit where she has a quasi medical degree or you don't know if it's a medical degree and then she uses that as like a defense of whether or not she should save somebody and when you're talking about a walmart situation with people getting their managers just like totally makes sense but the the most surprising thing about all of it is she asked to say something at the very end and this was a show like this was amazing you guys did a great job but the actual performance was awesome and the crowd was doing the crowd was going crazy and at the end of it she says this is my first time ever playing D D." And I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, I was like kind of in shock. Like I was like, oh my gosh, dude. This is like the best. This is like the best. This is like the best commercial for D&D you could ever have. And 150 people got to experience it live. So yeah. uh, how does that make you feel? Knowing that people aren't even playing, but they're, th this is what D&D is about. And you and I know it. But now everyone gets to kind of see that. I mean, I... I... I've thought about it a lot, and, like, when I was watching the podcast, like, as she was talking and she was explaining she has that auditory 
uh, deficiency or thing that allowed like messed her up in the beginning. And then I said something. I was like, uh, I was like, oh boy, the person that does whatever they want. And she brought it up in the podcast. I felt so bad. But I was just, <laughs> what I was doing there was trying to give her kind of an out to move on to someone else while I allowed her to kind of collect herself because it can be a lot to go up there and to almost be like flashbanged by how many people there. Like you could get serious stage fright going up there. So I'm trying to make it so they only are focused on me. And that's why I walk in front of them the way I do when I walk across them. So they pay attention to me. And, and when I'm doing that, it, it kind of, I start to have this connection with them like a DM does with their players. And I start to find kind of what they are comfortable with, what they like, and I start to pull those pieces out. And when I do, I mean, I take it very personally. And when she said at the end of it, like, thank, like I felt so bad that it was her first time playing D&D because it got really out of hand. But when she said, thank you for being patient with us and this, this was great show, like it warms your heart like i I melted yeah it got got me right in the feels for sure it really does and like i don't know if she'll hear this but like i think about those those things all the time like those are what makes me because i get nervous i get like scared to go up on stage because of all those people i get anxious i get whatever and i get through the emotions but then I'm when I'm on stage and I see all those people and everyone's laughing because Anthony's warming them up, I'm like, I can do this. And when someone tells me, like, this was the best, ex- this was a great experience, I'm so happy, or this changed my life, you know, because it allowed me to feel like I can open up and be myself, like, I, I take that very to heart. Like, the, the little kid's mom, the 12-year-old, his mom came up and she's like, do you guys do this for the, for birthdays? Yeah. And she he said, no, <laughs> really? we don't. That's awesome. Yeah. But, and the kid was like, this, this was so fun. And he was like, thank you so much for allowing me to play. And he was just so happy. And like the one, the, the, the fighter, the guy with the Scottish accent, he came yep. up and he was like, this was a great time. Thank you so much. You guys did really well. And he's like, I hope I see you uh, again, like throughout the con. He's like, you guys were great. Like I take every single one of those home with me. And I like, I have a special place in my heart for all of those. And I remember like every one we do, there's the people that come up and they shake my hand. They're like, Oh my God, you were so amazing. You're great. You guys should do this all the time. Like, Hey, come up to uh, Lake Geneva and do it at the D and D convention at Gary Con. And they were like, you guys really need to be like, we at a panel before this or like a convention before this we had ladies come up and they they were giving our information to other um convention like yeah people that were like promoting their other com- future conventions they future were giving conventions them, yeah speaking, we didn't even have to um um uh, go out of our way to speak yeah. to them they were doing it for now, us yeah they thought we was that good and it literally just like makes me melt and I, I always want to make that experience for people and hearing how positive that experience was for like Claire, I'm so happy it was for you. I'm so happy like you were able to find yourself and that you could feel like you could be yourself with this community because D&D is the place for that. I'm like dead serious. 
the communities that we make, like Quest Bros or Role Playing Degenerates, that's the place where you're going to find that community of people that are going to accept you no matter how off the wall you are. Because there's people that are just like you or going through similar stuff like that. And they're not just there to be friends to play games with. They're there for people to talk to. They're for people to get support from. They're families. They're, they're, yeah, you make a family out of this community. And, like, there's literally nothing I want to do more. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the beauty of, imp- of our, especially our improv d and I don't know if there might be other people that do imp- improv D&D, but the beauty of ours of or this and just like any improv, it's different every single time. It will never be the same. And after Friday's first performance um, and hearing all those people come up to us and they'll be like, hey, are you guys going to be doing it again? Like whatnot, like after people wanting more of it and the impact we had, I was emailing the panel person right at, like we were in the hallway and I was emailing her. I was like, hey, is there any chance that on Saturday we can get another um, slot. I know this is very last minute and mm-hmm. very impromptu, pun intended. Um, yeah. But can you? Is there any way? And she's like, Yeah, we've got this slot in at this time. And I was like, We'll take it. Um, and then again, it was still just as successful and just as positive of a response. Yeah. No. It's uh, well. One one weird thing that happened is. I actually we I didn't we didn't know who you were, but I saw you guys. You guys were in a hotel room like twenty rooms down from us. Yeah, and, yeah we were on the same floor, like just yeah. down the hall from you guys. And I didn't re- so I saw you guys the first day. Uh, we got in our hotel rooms, I think, or whatever. And the interesting thing was, we were running one shots with a bunch of creators. Uh, so it was like we have like uh, different creators who have like forty, fifty thousand followers in total with us. And you guys were right down the hall. We were like, as soon as we saw you, we were like. Dang it, I wish we would have known. We would have invited them over for the one shots. We were streaming them live. So it kind of sucked. Um, okay, but, next time. Next yeah, ne- next time. Um, but what you, you kind of described D&D as these real moments and these real communities. Claire, uh, she's in our Discord now, and she's got really good art. You know, it's it's crazy that she had such a weird childhood. She didn't, like, grow up with, like, a lot of friends or whatever. But I'm glad she's on our Discord now because she's been welcomed with, with open arms there. But we, we, you guys kind of describe these these real moments you have in the in the game, uh, but that's kind of indicative of D and D. Like you talk about DMing these players, you get like a, a ten minute or a one hour session with these players, and you get to feel the DM player relationship. But what is it about Dungeons and Dragons? Um, like what is it about this game where you can actually develop real characters and real real feelings uh, for your characters? And and if they die, it's a real death. Like. For real, you feel like you're about to cry, or you know, I think everybody at my table does cry every time. But what is it about D and D that that gets gets you in the feels? Deep question. <laughs> um, what what makes it? What gets me? I don't. It's just being able to make something of your own. So, um, like I said, I'm a musician. So, um, relating it to D and D is just like being able to. Cr- create something yeah, that is your own and that you can um that comes from your your soul not even just like from your emotions and your feelings but like from deep within you and even if it is connected to you in some way or maybe it's a character that's not connected to you in any way but being able to just have that experience and express yourself in a way that might not be um, any way that you're able to in real life like it becomes an extension of your body. So like my instruments become an extension of my body and they express who I am. Um, and a D&D character, so like one of my characters right now, I have um, 
is a druid and my druid yeah he might not be an extension of myself but there's always parts of me that of course that are going to be in there um and that just helps us grow to them and connect with them so much more and it makes it like yeah if they die in the game well now i'm not going to play his character anymore it's now like a little part of me has died yeah yeah and i always think like with my players they never they've never in the seven years we've played ever have made the same character twice and i think it's because they almost have that respect that i made this character they were a part of me they were an extension of kind of what i wanted to express about myself and then they died or there was something that i wanted to try something new and it didn't work out and you know they go through those emotions like oh they died or whatever um, I'm a forever DM. I'm, I'm stuck in that position. So I don't get to play my characters as often. I try to play like DM characters, but you know, but for my players, they, they almost do it for the opposite. Instead of liking to express themselves, they like to escape themselves. So that's another like total side of the coin. Um, they find D&D as this great escape for them to get away from the hassle of life and the hardships that they always go through. This way they can go somewhere where they're powerful, where they can express themselves in a different way, where they can learn new things and- Turn into a horse if they want. Yeah, turn into yeah. a horse if they want. So yeah. I always try to give them that world to explore and find new things because everybody has that little explorer in them that wants to keep going and wants to find new things. It's almost like playing like a video game and you're finding secrets around every corner. So I try to make those worlds for them to kind of get away from this one and get away from all the stresses that they're dealing with. So, and I think for, I mean, every player, you either have the one who wants to express themselves and grow with their characters that they make or get away from themselves and be someone who they can't be in real life. And D&D is a great place for that. Yeah, it, it's interesting because you would think that, you're talking about this escapism with, with, with people, you would think that there's like the nerd community who just wants to escape the reality of, of the world because they don't quite fit in. But honestly, like I'm an aircraft mechanic, I fit in well with everybody. I just don't want to deal with taxes. I don't want to deal with aircraft. I just want to go to a world where we can fuck shit up and have fun with each other and there's magic involved. I just want to go to, I just want to escape just everyday life. Have you, have you guys noticed that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause the thing too, D and D like high fantasy, everyone understands what high fantasy is too. So it's easy for everyone to get into easy for everyone to understand. Um, but it also can be as complicated as you want to, or as easy and simple as you want to. Uh, so you've, you've mentioned you guys have DM for a while. We get a lot of people on our TikTok and our Discord who are afraid to DM. And the only way I can describe it to them, and I kind of want to hear you guys' thoughts on this, is how do you describe to them the look on someone's face when you introduce the big bad or you introduce a big plot twist or someone's dying an npc they've loved forever is dying how do you explain the look across the table when everyone's just like holy fuck is this happening right now like how do you explain that as a as a dm looking to your players and and what would you tell dms or players who want to dm but they're afraid to 
my first th um, thought of it isn't is me being in the player's perspective, but there was a time where we were so our campaign that we played for Quest Pro is, um, is AD and D, so second edition, mm -hmm. um, and my character is a ranger bard, but the way it works in second edition, I have to be with those two classes. I have to be a certain alignment, and I ended up doing something that skewed my alignment. And now I either had to lose my bard or lose my ranger. And I was so attached to both of those. And I was freaking out. And I was I was about to be like, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were DMing it, so I want yeah. <clears throat> You're above, but I guess I want to know what was if to give you a point to I guess to respond to more specifically, what was your response to that then? As a character who's literally not even I'm not even gonna die, but it's like I'm losing you're half losing, of myself. You're losing watching yourself. myself die. And <laughs> I kind of like creating that mor moral struggle inside someone that is like, yeah, you did something wrong. Your alignment's shifting because of it, and you're losing a class. Um, not that you can't get it back, which you ended up I dropping. Just, I just the, bought a wish. <laughs> yeah, you end up buying a wish, which is fine, and you atoned for yeah. it or whatever because – really the reason why you were losing it wasn't your fault yeah. per se to defend myself this was my first real time playing D, &D so mm -hmm. i'm still figuring it out so i also i applaud you and thank you for <laughs> making it work for me <laughs> so i think the bigger part there though comes with you you don't want to take away that hope but you want to see them kind of have that internal moral conflict in them because the looks on their faces when the NPC that they loved for so long dies of crap. We just lost everything that meant to us. No, you didn't. You didn't lose just everything that meant to you. You lost one guy. Yeah. So that like the, the most iconic moment I can think of was when we had this in one of our campaigns, we had this baby dragon, not yours, baby dragon that liked to shape change into a cat. And his name was Carrot. Super cute. They had him for the whole thing and he died. And when he died, the whole party rushed in, suicide attack, whatever, <laughs> tried to kill him, and the whole party got TPK'd. But in that moment, I felt like that spoke volume to the players. They would rather die avenging this NPC character than keep their characters alive and fight another day. They went out with that moral like on their backs, head first, we are going to die for this NPC with or without success. And I was like, I let them do it. That's the part of the game. You don't think, like, as for those new DMs or people that are afraid to DM, you always think, man, I'm not going to be as good as Matthew Mercer. I'm not going to be as good as some of these other people I watch on, on, you know, on YouTube. And nobody's asking you to be that, that person. They want to enjoy the world you put all your time into because as a player, that's all they care about. They just want a place where they can play their character. If you can give them that place, then you've already done plenty. And you don't need to put in a bunch of lore into your world. You don't need to put in a bunch of cities for them to explore. As you start to DM more and more, you'll start to get more comfortable with doing that stuff and you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy putting, you know, a bunch of lore into your world and a bunch of NPCs to put into their parties and for them to get attached to 
just for something to happen and they die, or you'll enjoy, you know, watching them struggle with puzzles, even though it's something you got off of online that's for like yeah. two-year-olds. And they're like, this makes no sense. And it's like, put the square in the square hole. Yeah. It's just great experience. And then those memories become core memories and you remember them. And then 10 years down the line, you guys all laugh about it. Like, oh my God, you remember when we let Anthony DM and he, he killed like six geese in front of us for no reason? Why did you do that? <laughs> it's just like those funny moments are what you're trying to create. And you'll create them being a bad DM just as well as you would being a good one. So don't worry about it. You yeah. just got to do it. Yeah, I think... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, a beauty of it, too, for new DMs, too, is the players don't know what the DM knows. Mm -hmm. And they could... You can have your plot go from wanting to go from point A to point B, and they're going to go every which way around it. But they're yeah. not going to know that. Yeah. As long as you can go along with it, too, um, it's fine. No one's going to know. No one's going to care. I like the idea that you're like, man, I wasn't prepared for them to uh, burn down this house. I guess we'll just move on. <laughs> There's actually something I saw online, which actually like kind of spoke to me as a new DM, where um, someone was watching a group play D and D, and they were fighting a big boss. And he saw that the DM wasn't keeping track of the hit points. Mm -hmm. And he's like, um, "So when do you know that the big bad is dead?" And he's like, "Well, it dies when it no longer becomes fun to fight it. So he doesn't keep track of the hit points for the big bad, and he just lets them all do whatever they want, and go crazy, and have fun with it. And that's all. That's what's important in the end is making sure you and your players are having fun." Um, you 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 kind of mentioned it, but I, I wanted to kind of go back and talk about it. I found in in as as far as DMing, it's not necessarily what you're doing wrong. It's the things you aren't doing right. And I'll explain this a little bit. You talked about uh, an NPC dying, and your party goes there and TPKs, right? Yeah. Um, a bad DM, or I want to say a bad DM, an inexperienced DM would do everything in their power to make sure it doesn't happen. An experienced DM will let it happen and explain it beautifully, like the death of this amazing thing that they decided to do. They decided they're going to die. Okay, well, if they decide they're going to die, let's play this out. And then it becomes, a, like you said, a core memory. And that's what, when people ask me, like, what's, what's a good DM and a bad DM? Because I always get that question. It's not necessarily what you're doing wrong. It's the things you might not be doing right. Like if they're gonna, if they, if this is it, if this is their last day, and they're gonna TPK, then we're gonna make this the most glorious TPK ever, and we're gonna move on. I think that's one of the things you you let your 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 group TPK. Um, TPKs can be great because I mean they can't be great, but they can be an awesome moment because like if, if you're really really willing to die, let's 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 talk about it. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and so in that experience, um it was kind of like this trickle effect because they were like, they were like 120 spaces away from where they just watched carrot die. This like cute little golden dragon that was shape changed into like this pup, like tiger cub thing. And they watched as a demon killed him. And it was a Molydeus, which has like a Vorpal ax. So 
they watched that happen, and it was supposed to be like, uh, oh, my God, we can't beat that thing. We got to run. Yeah. And it was like they were all sitting there just shocked that this happened. Like, they saw it kind of starting to happen, but then they just couldn't help but, like, let the chips fall into places. And they were just like – when it happened, there was just a moment of silence, and – I was like, okay. I was like, I was just like letting them kind of go through the motions. And finally, one of my players goes, I grab my sword and I charge in. And I was like, what? I was like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, go on. And so he rushed in and he got a few good hits in and his head came off. I got the Vorpal effect. I rolled a nat 20 on him, and I'm like, like, you're done. And his head hit the floor, took his character sheet, put it on the table, and just, like, was super pissed off. (laughs) And and at that point, everyone was like, charge! And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, so I was like, all right. So then they just kept fighting, and I was like, the demon uses his special ability to summon more demons to help him and they yeah. they were fighting and they took out maybe two or three demons before they they fell and sadly the Maladius lived and it was like that was a bittersweet moment um because two of my like seven players didn't even like carrot <laughs> but they all died for yeah, him yeah and yeah in that moment I mean, that's a huge thing for DMs to learn is you have to let your players do kind of what they want within reason. Some players are going to want to jump across the entire city. Realistically, they they can't do that. But if they, you know, hook themselves up with long strider, jump, fly, XYZ, you know what? If they really want it, then you should let them find a way of doing it without giving it to them because then it makes them invested. And when they're invested into something and you take that investment away, then they start to have conflicts. And when they have conflicts, that's when they're, they, they, then, they care. then they start caring. And when they care, they just go that extra step further to do everything they want to do. And that is the moment of D&D where I enjoy. When people have that aha moment or they have the how dare you as the DM yeah. moment. Yeah. And it, bad and good puts a smile on my face because I'm a lawful evil at heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a very interesting game. Um, do you guys watch Critical Role or Dimension 20? I watch Critical Role, yeah. I watch a few people i think there's another D D group that's called the third wheel yep. i watch them i like them a lot shout out to them they don't need it um <laughs> but yeah i do watch i did watch some critical role um and i think the funny part about watching other people play is especially as a dm you would go you you sometimes go through those points where you're like I don't really agree with what he what his decision was there. I don't know yeah. if I would have done that as a DM. Yeah, um, it's a good thing because then you can build off it and make it everything mm, your own. Yeah, and and I think that's another huge point is everybody as a DM has their own DM style, 
and you got to respect that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It, it is weird. You'll, I, I, everyone tells me, cause I don't know any different is I DM a really tight ship. I guess I, I track people's arrows. I don't make them like the food is whatever, but I track people's arrows. Um, if someone, if someone, you know, rolls the two or three death saves and they all fail, like they're dead in my eyes. But I've also had, I've also played on, on games where it's just like total debauchery, everything goes and it's super fun. So it is weird in, in the sense that the game can be like totally different on different spectrums, but everyone's still having a good time. Um, so moving yeah, forward, I... where, where do you guys see yourselves with D&D in the next 5, 10, or 15 years? Um, 15 years, I still see myself being the forever DM. <laughs> DM. Right, yeah. now, right now, I'm having my players, we're doing this campaign, but the campaign is, I had set it up for them to DM the side quests throughout it, so they can all Ooh. get into a feel of DMing. That's cool. And it's all the same characters. So they're not these one-shots that we're doing. It's designed for us to slowly throughout this campaign have a bunch of little side quests where other people are DMing and they are basically free to DM how they want to DM it. Um, with, of course, if they need assistance, I will help them. Yeah. But then that kind of takes me out of the game um, because then I just know a little bit more than everybody else and I have to be mindful of that. But that is a huge thing. And I think in like a few years, maybe I won't be the forever DM, which might be nice. <laughs> But I honestly, from there, though, of course, just in our personal lives, expanding upon D&D with ourselves and playing it more, I think as we start to do more improv D&D, we're also going to start going out and getting, obviously, more recognition for it. So I think in, like, five or ten years, I mean, we will be have many more of these under our belts, the improv D&D things, and we might, yeah, do some of them at the uh gary con and stuff like that because a lot of people enjoy them so you know with whatever that entails i mean dnd might become almost like a profession for us which i wouldn't really mind because then it would be doing something that i love yeah at least for me like of course i always want to keep playing always want it to be a part of me i've got characters in the back of my head that i was like oh i want to try this try this um but at least at least bringing it all back to the improv dnd like uh, we at least try to go to cons like twice a year, two different ones, one in the winter, one in the summer, mm -hmm. um, always doing stuff like that. Um, I was even looking at, I was like, hey, what if we tried going to like New York Comic Con? Because that's like another really, really big one. Yeah. Like, how do we keep growing? What's the next biggest con that we can go to? Because um, then that'll help our channel grow, um, help get more people in our community, help um, just spread the word of Dungeons and Dragons more for all levels of people. Um, so yeah, that's I mean that's where I see it is us being able to then get to bigger conventions and um, just bigger um, events, not even conventions, but just events that we can perform at. Yeah, I have to say I think I think this is like the if I look five years into your future, <clears throat> I think this show is going to be massive. Every time we go to a con from now on, and if I see you guys are there, I'm going to tell everyone, oh, you you have you can't not go to this con and not go to the show. It's literally that good. The only two things I was excited for, or the only thing I was excited for was Ahsoka Tano, because I'm a big Star Wars Rebels fan. And that's really it. I was like, oh, uh, at the time, Gina Carano was still a, a listed actress. 
And I was like, oh, I'll see her, but she dropped out. But now, like, the next time we go, because we've already planned on going next year, which I'm assuming you guys are going to go to Fan Expo next year. More most likely. <clears throat> so we're we're taking, because I DM two groups, and we're taking about 25 people now. I told everybody, I was like, okay, on the schedule, if Ahsoka comes back, we'll see Ahsoka. But we 100% have to go to this this uh this uh, improv D&D. That's how good the show is. So for anybody who's going to be a fan of Expo next year who or who follow us, please follow Quest Bros. It's like the best show out there. Like, period. Like, out of all the shows we went to, uh, the cosplay, the Ahsoka panel was cool because I got to go up and talk to Ahsoka about some things. But, like, it wasn't nearly as fun. It was just cool to hear about the lore or whatever. It's like the funnest show you could go to. I think you guys are going to have... I, I wouldn't be surprised if someday you guys are like a thousand, two thousand, like huge events. You could probably do this outside of con, if I'm being honest. Yeah, we have thought about doing stuff like that, like going like almost like making it its own thing at times. Because um, like we said, we've got Quest Bros. Um, we've got our YouTube channel that we um, mostly post all of our stuff on. We're thinking like, oh, we could just do a video of this. We don't have to do it at a con. So it would be cool to just do it that way. Um, but also just hearing you say all that, thank you. Um, it warms our heart. Um, I did apply us, uh, apply for us. Um, the ne our next convention will be in at least hopefully February um, at Anime Milwaukee 2023. So um, we're hoping to get a Friday and a Saturday show. So if anything, that's where you can probably find the next Improv D&D will be there. Um, but yeah, we want to do this as much as we can because uh, we've, rarely i don't think ever have any heard heard anyone say anything negative about the show we only get positive reviews i don't think it's um, possible yeah <laughs> i don't think it's, and it's bad and we'll just we'll just uh say it's your guys' fault you guys made the show it's your fault yeah so you guys kind of alluded to it already but let's talk about how people can reach you how can people reach the quest bros and i thought the quest bros was just dnd are you guys a bigger conglomeration of different content yeah, so um, it's more of an entertainment um, company, you could call it, or a group. Um, that's what we've been kind of marketing it towards. Um, we do stuff from video game playthroughs, um, um, food challenges, um, Dungeons and Dragons, um, pretty much just anything nerd-related. Um, nice. But yeah, so you can check us out on our YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com um, slash questbros. Um, we have uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we have a Discord as well. Um, we stream on Twitch. Um, so yeah, we do stuff from Dungeons and Dragons to any type of video game stuff. So there's something for everyone. Okay, so everybody check them out. Not only their um, their D and D improv, which we talked about here because it was amazing to see, but also check them out. Uh, and their their food challenges and everything they do outside of just D&D, but in the nerd community, which I'm a huge nerd. Like I said, Rebels is like my favorite show ever, but like Troll Hunters, Rebels, anime, everything nerd, we love. So check them out. Um, otherwise, this is a really fun uh, episode, guys. And uh, for everyone watching, we appreciate it. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time.